Hi, everybody. Yasmin Khan here, host of Childproof. It's a parenting show about what parents experience. So that means we talk to parents about who they are as people, what they're dealing with, how they want to grow. We dig into how isolating the work of child rearing can be and how important it is as individuals to find community. We hope to become part of your parenting community and to expand it through conversations with other parents and caretakers. If you're a first-time listener, you may have found us through Spotlight, a new program from Apple Podcasts that highlights one creative team every month. We are so honored to be included as the Spotlight pick this April, and we hope that today's episode, all about one father's journey to find the hidden truth about his own parents, inspires you to keep listening to Childproof. We know how valuable your time is. Thanks for choosing to spend it with us. And one more note about today's show. A heads up that this episode contains depictions of violence. My mom and my dad were kind of like the secret that the family kept. Like they felt that, you know, children should not have as best as they could negative feelings about their parents. Tom Shepard didn't grow up with his parents, but he spent his life trying to learn more about them. One window into his parents that he does have is through their crafts. I learned a lot from my father. He was probably one of the best people I ever knew in my life with his hands. And he taught me how to work with leather. He taught me how to use a hammer. My mom was a seamstress. So I see that in me. Everybody that knew her said she was an absolutely brilliant person. And I see that in myself. You know, they said that she was a very creative person. I see that in myself. And the same types of things, you know, I saw in my dad. And it's the reason why I wanted to be connected. But I could never get that connection. So if you can't get that connection and then you start to fill in inaccurate information, right? I think I lived my most of my life with a distorted view of reality. We've talked before on this show about how our own childhoods and our own parents influence how we raise our kids. It's no different for Tom. Though he was mostly raised by his extended family, first his grandparents and Aunt Mary in Georgia, then his Aunt Ethel in the Bronx. Growing up, Tom always knew he didn't have the full story of what happened with his mother and father. Actually, it's more than that. He knew the adults around him were withholding information about his own life. It wasn't quite a lie, but it wasn't the whole truth either. Thomas spent much of his adult life trying to fill in the gaps and trying to do things differently when it comes to raising his own kids. As a parent, it's one of the reasons why I'm always completely honest with my children. It was like, I will tell you the truth and be honest with you and protect you. From 10% Happier, this is Childproof, a parenting show about us, the adults, raising kids. I'm Yasmin Khan. Today, Tom tells us the secret the family kept and how his yearning to uncover the details over the years helped define who he is as a father. And I mean, not just philosophically, but in his day-to-day life. Tom's story after the break. 
epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Welcome back. Tom Shepard lives in the Bronx. He's married and has six kids, ranging in age from 11 to 28. I first knew of him on social media as a dad who was heavily involved in education issues in the New York City schools. And then I gradually learned from his tweets how he dads really hard. He's always posting about his kids, the hike he made them go on, the college trip for his daughter, and how he drives them to school and picks them up every single day in the family's Dodge Dart. My kids have never taken the school bus. And that's just because that's our time in the car to, you know, kind of joke and play around. So I take them to school every day and I pick them up every day and I organize my life in such a way where I can do that. Like jobs come and go, right? But, you know, my relationship with my kids is something that I'm going to always have, good or bad. I love my kids to death. And what I try to do is share my stories with them and share experiences with them. It's how I build relationship. I'm the way that I am because I didn't have that. So he's prioritized being present for his kids, literally around. Hence the rides to school and the weekend hikes with dad. They even started a podcast to just talk about life. All right. All right. All right, cool. So. It's called Ask Me Anything. Um, question. Okay. Actually, what are all you guys' favorite, like, classical movies, like, an old movie that you still love to this day. But there is one story Tom hasn't been able to share yet. It's the kind of story that could completely reshape his kids' impression of him and his family. One that will change so much of what they know about their family history. Today, Tom's sharing that story with us. Okay, so I do want to start by saying that I have an identical twin brother. So there's two of us, right? So if you could imagine, you know, two six and a half foot, you know, black dudes with locks walking around that look just alike. Tom and his brother went through everything together, and it's heavy. But their approach to finding out more about their parents isn't as identical. The way Tom tells it, his brother, Corey, has been more hesitant to rehash the past. Tom, on the other hand, is ready to talk about it. He's direct with the basic facts. And at about three years old, my mom died. Uh, But my mom died because she was killed by my father. And to add a little context to that, you know, it was in Savannah, Georgia, To add even a little more context to that, my dad is Black, my mom is white. You know, you were so little, but what do you remember being told about what happened to your parents? Well, so, like, we always knew that our father had killed our mother, right? That part they told us. And, you know... They avoided details in it, right? Right. It wasn't just the fact 
that in one night, Tom and his brother lost their mother and their father, who would go to prison for the killing for five years. It was that he wasn't getting any straight talk, that others knew more about his own personal history than he did. My mom and my dad were kind of like the secret that the family kept, right? Like they felt that, you know, children should not have as best as they could negative feelings about their parents, right? Mm -hmm. So they really kind of held on to a lot of those stories because I guess they felt that, you know, they didn't want us to look at our father in any kind of way. And, you know, so I've always thought to myself, like, it's hard not to when you know that, you know, your dad killed your mom, right? (laughs) So, you know, how do you not harbor resentment? Especially a person, you know, like your father. Tom visited his father in prison a couple of times and would see his father from time to time in the years that followed. But his father would never answer Tom's direct questions about what happened. And neither did his aunts, his father's sisters, who raised him. Every now and again, Tom would get a memory or a quick passing detail about his mom or dad. But it wasn't easy to get people to share more of what they knew. And as he grew up, that's the part that cut deep. I'm not saying that they were being dishonest. I'm saying that, you know, sometimes it's almost like lying to your kids to protect them from something. Uh, So I've always felt that as an adult, I didn't know it as a kid. When you have people that don't understand how to have difficult conversations with children, they tend to avoid them. So I think that's what we dealt with all of our life was just kind of avoiding the conversation. Like, you know, if we can just kind of leave the past in the past, right, Mm -hmm. then we can kind of do something different. But I always felt like there was more that needed to be said and more that I wanted to know. But I just like if nobody was talking, I just stopped asking. Even as a child, you felt that. Yeah. And I think it contributed a lot in my childhood to this feeling that I never felt a part of, but apart from, right? Like if if people didn't feel connected enough to just be completely honest with you about what's going on and then help you navigate the feelings with that, you weren't really, I, like I never was really connected to them in that way. Hmm. And it's not that they didn't love me. I think they just felt like they needed to protect us from that. But it, for me, created distance. From your own life. From my life and from, you know, the people in it that loved me, right? So my my grandmother loved me and my aunts loved me. But I think them being unable to deal with, because think about it. My grandmother, that was her son, right? Mm. My aunts that, you know, that was their brother that did this. And how do you reconcile that with his children? (laughs) Right. And it really put me into a place where I just felt and like all I had was my brother and that we were really alone. The trust issues for me were like, if I can't trust you to tell me what's going on, then what can I trust you with, right? Can I trust you with what's really going on in my head? Can I trust you with how I'm feeling? Can I trust you 
with, you know, my well-being? Can I trust you with making me feel a part of instead of apart from like like I think if we talk about how it undermined things, I think that was my rationale as a kid. To be clear, Tom had a loving family. In his mind, his grandparents and aunts who raised him were trying their best in a difficult situation. Perhaps his family didn't quite realize how detached Tom felt and how many question marks there were in his mind. For one, he had never visited his mother's grave. He had never even seen a picture of her until recently when he was visiting his Aunt Ethel in the Bronx. We were going through shoeboxes and wicker baskets a few years ago, and we ran across this picture. I was this like, was who? just a few years ago? Right. You know, I would ask my aunt, well, who's this person and who's that person? And I got to this picture and I was like, I, I felt different when I picked it up, right? Hmm. I didn't know who exactly it was, but I felt different. Here's this like one picture of like this white woman. And I'm like, well, who's this? And, you know, my aunt kind of got this weird look. And then she goes, oh, my God, that's your mom. And I was like, it's my mom. <sighs> so all this time, like the picture was there. Nobody knew it. The night Tom found the photo, he says he couldn't sleep. He turned over in his mind the vague details about her he gathered over the years. People would say, oh, she was pretty. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> right? Like she had long hair and spoke five languages. Great. What languages were they? I had no idea of who my mom was. Tom had been working to change that. A few weeks before his 44th birthday, he decided he needed to visit his mother's grave for the first time. He called up his brother and said, let's go down south. It took some convincing, but Corey agreed. We put it together real quick. So while I'm driving down, I'm on the phone with my aunt, Mary, and I said, you know, I'm going to pick up Corey. We're coming down. We want to find where our mom is buried. And she was like, so I'm going to let your dad know you coming. I was like, nah, don't say nothing. Because my brother did not want to talk to mm. him. She was like, really? I was like, nah, just don't let him know. And my aunt Ethel calls from the Bronx. And she goes, so, you know, son, I, I just want you to not be disappointed when you get there. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And she said, we were all poor back then. So we couldn't afford, you know, a traditional funeral. So I was like, oh, are you telling me my mom's in a potter's field? I, I panicked in a way, right? When you don't have any idea of what your mom looks like and nobody's telling you anything about her really. And you don't get any of the stories. You don't know who she is. And now you don't even know where she's buried. What happens? She disappears. And I, I think for me, there was a sense of panic. Like, oh my God, my mom, if we don't do something, my mom is literally going to disappear off the face of the earth. Tom says it was hard to think of his mom alone. He and his brother sat mostly in silence in the car for the hundreds of miles they had to get through before reaching his aunt's house. About an hour outside of Savannah, my aunt Mary calls and she goes, y'all almost here? Like, yeah, yeah, Mary, we're almost there. She goes, I just want you to know your dad want to talk to you. Oh, really? Right? Oh, God. So we told you not to do that. You did it anyway. 
So, all right, we'll see when we get there. So we got over time in Mary's house and she was like, no, 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 you can't come all the way down here and not eat. So she made like a whole pan of red rice and she had some like leftover collards and that kind of thing. Like she fed us like it was Sunday. So we sat there and talked. Then we started to ask her, you know, what happened? And she's like, again, we were all poor back then. But then this time I, I stopped to listen. I'm like, okay. And, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, I never told y'all what happened because I just didn't feel like it was my place to tell you what happened. Like, I wasn't the one that killed your mom. I think it was your dad's responsibility to come clean on that. And it actually gave me a moment of pause. Mm-hmm. And I realized in a moment, it wasn't her responsibility. And like, they didn't know how to deal with that. But then they realized it wasn't for them to deal with it. It was for him to deal with. So I was like, oh, okay. No, they struggle with this too, (laughs) right? Like, here's my aunt who loved us to death, who between her, my grandmother, and my aunt up in New York raised us like, like we were their own children, like we were their sons, knowing what we had been through. But at the same time, feeling like, you know, all of this was placed on them by their brother, by their son. Coming up. While we were sitting there, our father called. Like, look, you know, your aunt told me you were coming down and um, I need to talk to y'all tonight. The conversation that shed some light on the family's secret and allowed for some of the connection that Tom craved. After the break. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great-tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great-tasting, high-quality organic dairy ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. 
Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. It was about 10 o'clock at night when Tom and his brother got that call from their father, ready, after years, to sit down and have a conversation. Tom picked up a pack of cigarettes and headed with Corey over to their father's place. Tom says he wasn't nervous, but his heart was racing. It was almost like something's getting ready to happen that you've been kind of anticipating your whole life. So my brother sits on one end of the table. I sit on the other end of the table. My father kind of pulls up to the side in a little chair. And there's like an ashtray there with like a pack of like smoked out cigarette butts and, you know, a fresh pack of Newport 100s that we sat on the table. So I guess we all pulled out a cigarette and started smoking. And I'll never forget the very first sentence that came out of his mouth. He said, I want y'all to know that I loved your mother very much. It was literally the very first thing he said. And when he said that, I was just like, wow. I was really sitting there trying to reconcile, you know, the fact that my mother's been in the ground for over 40 years. And, you know, the person that killed her proclaims in, like, his first breath that he loved her very much. Like, I I was... I got it, but I was completely confused with it. Tom's father went on to talk about the day the twins were born, about skeletons in his closet. He had fathered another child while he was with Tom's mother, about how Tom's mother moved out and started dating someone else, someone she was with the night Tom's father shot her. The conversation lasted for five hours. He did say, you know, son, like, I just... I lost my mind that day. I did ask him, I was like, but what got you there? Like, I guess I was trying to rationalize something you couldn't rationalize, right? But why kill her? And he was like, son, I can't answer that. I I just don't know. I know that I was so angry. The next time I could remember anything is walking back into the house and picking up the phone and calling your grandmama and calling your Aunt Mary and telling them to come over and pick y'all up. His mother died the next day. Tom says he didn't get all the answers that night, but that conversation made him realize he didn't need an answer for everything. Tom says what he needed and what he got was his father to face him and confront the past. It's difficult to move on when everybody's acting like it ain't real, right? You know, so if we can just ground ourselves in reality, then we can kind of move forward. So there was a part of me, like, I didn't need all the answers. I didn't need to know, like, all the gory details. I I didn't need to know any of that. What changed for me that night was for a person that spent his whole life running, And the fact that, you know, on some level, he was able to at least talk about something that he spent his whole life trying to escape. And um, my relationship with him changed that night. 
like I knew it wasn't it, it wasn't perfect. It, it, it was never going to be perfect. Right. It was never going to be like the type of father son relationship that people dream of. I knew it was never going to be that, mm-hmm. but I knew it was going to be different than what I always had. When the conversation wrapped up around 5 a.m., Tom and his brother learned their father was the only person who could help them find their mother's grave. His father used to visit it when he was no longer incarcerated. They all headed to the cemetery together, and after more than four decades, the brothers were able to visit with their father and their mother. I think for my brother and I, it was really a sobering moment to know that probably for the first time in you know, like 40 years, we were close to where our mother was, even if it meant she was in the ground. Did you talk to her? I did. Um, uh, you know, it was, you know, I, I found you and um, I'm sorry that all these years while I was growing up and living my life, you were, you know, out here all by yourself. And um, told about some of the things that I'd done with my life. You know, I served the military and I got kids and they're really good kids. Uh, And I do my best to make sure that they can live the type of life where they don't have to be disconnected. And, um, you know, that I wish I could have done more with my life to make her proud of me. But, um, But I did my best with it. After that day, things opened up for Tom. Once I sat down and had the conversation, I was at a point in my life where the details didn't matter as much as the action, right? It was really about letting go of the secret. It was really about like coming out from under the weight of all of that, right? And once you come out from under that, then you can start to have, you know, different kinds of conversations and grow in a different way. Because in the years after we had that conversation, I had a completely different relationship with my father. He says he wanted his dad again, and he got that, even if the relationship was still complicated. And Tom wanted his children to meet their grandfather. It just never dawned on them, you know, like, why are we only talking to him now? Like, they just knew he was down south and we were up here, right? They do have a connection with their grandfather, right? He adored them. They adored him. And, you know, I remember they would just stay up for hours on FaceTime talking about absolutely nothing. (laughs) And, um, you know... And I would just be sitting in the background just, I don't know if enamored is the right word, but I would just sit there and it was just like, like it felt kind of groovy, right? Like, wow, look at this. Like, this is so cool. (laughs) And um, they all adored each other. Tom and his father and Tom's kids built a new relationship in the four years that followed that trip down south until his father died in 2019. Tom says he wanted his kids to have a closeness with his dad in a way that he never could. And Tom knows that what he missed out on helped him figure out what kind of father he wanted to be. It's one of the reasons why I'm always completely honest with my children, because I know what it feels like to have, 
you know, people that love you and care about you have to feel like they have to lie to you to protect you, right? And it's one thing to kind of be that way with, you know, uh, a six-year-old. <laughs> it's a completely different thing to be that way with, let's say, a 46-year-old. <laughs> so, um, you know, whatever that means, we'll go through it together. I just take a different approach. I understand why they did it. I understand the impact it had on me. I just hmm. realized as an adult with my own children that, you know, I would do things differently. But there's one limit on Tom's honesty. Would you consider telling them the full story? <sighs> and it, I don't know. And this is the part where I had to think a lot about, you know, protecting people, right? It's kind of like going full circle in a conversation. Like the thing I resented the most is the place I find myself in, right? Right. And um, I don't want to ever ruin the picture of their grandfather by doing that to them, right? Like I feel like I would be harming them if I did it. Can I, if I may, can I push back on this idea? A little bit? Absolutely. Are you not withholding some big part of yourself by not telling them? Great point, right? Um, I'm sure I am, right? Um, and, you know, I struggle with it in the same way. Like, no, I can't say it's the same because I, I don't know what was going through my dad's head all these years. I guess for me, a part of it would be like, is there a good time for it? And um, for him, it was never a good time, right? For me, I, I don't have that constraint. So I would venture to say, yeah, at some point, I think I have to kind of set myself up to have that conversation and be prepared for the impact on them. Sometimes you don't share everything with people to protect them from something. And um, I could never really understand that growing up. But there was a part of me after having my own kids that began to understand that, that for as open as I am with my kids, you know, you do want to protect them from harm, whether it's physical harm or emotional harm, right? How would you imagine telling them? What do you think you would say? I think I would start the conversation with my mom because what I know about my mom is all through other people's stories, but my kids don't even have that, right? So they don't have anything. They have the same question mark that I had all these years. And um, I think if I'm, if I'm going to have, well, not if, I'm sure it's going to be when at some point, I think I would start there. Like, Y'all know about your grandfather and you know, like he was talented and he did these things. And, but I, I kind of want to share a different part of our family and what we had to deal with for a lot of years and, and really go there. Um, it's not something I'm looking forward to, but I'm sure at some point it, I'm going to have to do it. What Tom knows about his childhood is still evolving. 
Some details come into focus, but then raise new questions. In fact, as we were putting this story together, I got a text from Tom that he received new information about his mother. He was at a family funeral down south recently, and a cousin shared some memories that weren't good. She shared how Tom's mother was physically abusive toward Tom and his brother. Even though Tom was just a toddler, he says he feels like this new information lines up with his own early memories. He's still processing it all. He and I got on a Zoom to talk. I think it's sort of ingrained in us as human beings to love our parents. But then I wondered why the rest of my family would never really talk about my mom (laughs) in the same kind of regard that I had in my heart. Like, I felt this way about my mom, but nobody else really seemed to talk about her much. Why is that? (laughs) And um, I always thought that it was just because they wanted to kind of spare us the trauma of her being killed. But it turns out it wasn't that. Why now, right? And why now is that the adults told the kids to stay out of grown folks' business while they're witnessing it. So now that the grown folks are almost all gone, the kids are like, yeah, I think you need to know this because Hmm. it's unfair to you that they're all taking this to the grave. And guess what? We saw it too. And we have, you know, good relationships with our cousins. Yeah. But they held on to it too. I think for them... They just didn't agree that it's something that we shouldn't know, if that makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. It does. So what we are learning is a lot of what happened, not through the adult's eyes, but through our cousin's eyes, because they all witnessed parts of this as well. Does this new information about your mother bring up those feelings of disconnect from your family again? You know, you described feeling apart from instead of a part of your own childhood growing up. And you kind of were able to piece things back together. And I'm wondering if having new information brings up those feelings again, or if it in a way makes you feel plugged in because you can now have these conversations with family members. Actually, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because it actually doesn't make me feel disconnected. Hmm. It actually makes me feel very connected. And, you know, they're my cousins, right, that Mm -hmm. witnessed this. It's almost like a conversation they've been dying to have. Like, look, so they almost all gone. Something y'all need to know. We need to sit down and talk. You might not like everything we can say, but yeah, you know, they've all been keeping us from saying it. So... Now that they all gone, we can have this conversation. If I may, I'd like to ask you about your mother. Mm-hmm. You've had a very loose sketch of her as it is over the years. The fact that she spoke five languages and she had long hair and you only saw a picture of her late in life, mm-hmm. a few years ago, really. I, I'm wondering how you fill out the profile of her in your mind now. <sighs> you know... She still spoke five languages. She was still a seamstress. She was still a very creative person. But she also had another side to her. And 
I think it takes the romantic view off of it. Hmm. Like she was a real person. And um, I'm okay with that because I think oftentimes if, you know, we don't have a real image of what's going on or a real image of what things are, well, it sets you up in a way to live a lie, right? You know, so to know that she had all of these talents, but then she had all of these shortcomings as well, sets her up as real for me. This makes me think of something Tom said earlier, an idea that kids aren't supposed to have negative thoughts about their parents. And perhaps that sentiment fueled some of the reticence on the part of his family to answer Tom's questions over the years. Of course, you have to think about what's appropriate to share with a child and at what age. But it wasn't until Tom became fully aware of everyone's skeletons, his father's admission, his mother's alleged abuse, his aunt's wrestling with the burden of responsibility, that he was able to really forgive and to see each of them as human and to feel truly connected to them. The more we talk about this story, the more questions it brings up. But no, no, that's a good thing, though, because right. I think it, it, in a way it's helping me sort it out in my own head um, in a way that I can share it with my children. But I, you know, I think I will say this. I think for me, as I understand my own childhood and how it's playing out and learning more every day, it really does allow me to appreciate fatherhood that much more because I want my kids again to have all of the things I didn't Mm -hmm. and I have given up so much for them to be able to enjoy childhood and if I had it to do all over again I'd do it exactly the same way so I just appreciate the dodge dart in the morning I appreciate you know, sitting around making a podcast episode with them. I appreciate making belts with them or holding up my daughter's hands while she's trying to figure out how to roller skate. You know, I look at them and, and especially when they get older, right? Like, like they talk to you a little different and you got to like check yourself and realize that they 14 and 13 years old. But then it allows me to look at them as 14 and 13 year olds and say, you know what? Y'all growing up and y'all growing up comfortable enough to talk with me in a way that I could never talk with my own parents. And if that means I did something right, then I'm cool with that. Childproof is produced by Palace Shaw, Will Coley, and Marissa Schneiderman. Our senior producer is Stacia Brown. Our managing producer is Kimmy Regler. And our executive producer is Jen Poyan. Scoring and mixing by Joe Tisdall of Ultraviolet Audio. Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs wrote our theme. Connor Donahue is our manager of technical operations. 
If you have a story that you want to share or a topic that you want us to dig into more, you can always email us at childproof at 10percent.com. That's T-E-N percent.com. Also, you can now tweet at us. You can find us at ChildproofPod on Twitter. Childproof is a production of 10% Happier. If you like our show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review. Episodes of Childproof are available free wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear new episodes one week early, you can download Amazon Music. Or if you want to hear new episodes early and ad-free, you can subscribe to Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Please support our show by filling out a survey at wondery.com survey.